Hello and welcome to Kids Arts, the podcast. I'm your host, Eddie Hawkswood. It's my pleasure to be bringing to you a little bit of uh, my experience and guests who can help us navigate through the tricky world of kids' arts. Kids' arts deals with music lessons, dance classes, uh, art classes, all things that I have experience in. Uh, but fortunately, my guests have even more experience than I do. So this is a podcast by parents for parents, and we hope you find this very, very helpful. So enjoy, download, bluelakedrive.com is the website. Click on it. All your podcast needs are there. I'll be right back with my very first guest, the one and only Shauna Kwan. Shauna. Good to have you on the show. Welcome to the first ever Kids Arts Podcast. Shauna is the CEO of ElonDanceArts.ca, the website. And uh, Shauna, tell us when you started dancing and why you love it. Thank you for having me. Um, I want to start off by saying how uh, valuable I think it is that you're doing this because uh Sort of like you said, we all know so much. And if people could speak straightly to us, we could empower them with enough uh, knowledge for them to make a good decision. But more often than not, they don't have that luxury to, to talk straight to us. So this is really great. Um, as far as me personally, um, I started dance when I was 12, uh, which is very late. Um, <laughs> and it became... It was just a very natural progression for me. I, I was an athlete in, in, a, in a lot of other sports um, and dance just sort of all my friends were dancing. And so I thought I'd try dancing, and it just sort of seemed to be something that I was just naturally good at. And it kind of grew from there. Um, and so I became uh, a competitive dancer one year after at, at 13, I, I became competitive and then, uh, yeah, I started teaching when I was 17. And then my first uh, larger teaching role was when I was a student at Western. Um, and within a few years of teaching at the university here, uh, Western in London, Ontario, I became um, the director of the dance and wellness program there at, at um, Campus Rec. And, uh, and then I opened a studio and so it, it was just sort of this regular progression. Fantastic. And that's what I think a lot of parents love to hear something that they invest their time and money into, uh, develops into not only a love, but something that, uh, their young dancers can love doing for the rest of your life. So let's, you mentioned you started when you were 12 years old. What is the average age of dancer that your studio receives? earliest i'm sorry what's the earliest your studio usually gets uh well we we start at 18 months so we have a we have an in-top program um but i would say the average uh in the industry is probably three to four years old most most um kids start around three or four okay so let's imagine i'm a parent right now i'm on my, on my way to to work i'm thinking about en enrolling my child in dance, what are some things parents should ask when they are selecting a studio for their child? So I believe in the ancillary benefits that dance offers. 
um, more than the actual technical skill of dance off. Because anyone can teach anyone how to dance. But it's it's the other benefits that are more important. The, and what are those? The work ethic, confidence, uh, social skills, um, self esteem, uh, pride in in physique, body pride. You know, those are the kinds of things that are that are most important. And yes. you have to find a skill that really believes in training the whole child, right? Because I can teach anyone how to, how to kickball change and how to do the splits. Right. But if they come into the studio troubled, just because, you know, some, maybe they're, maybe they're bullied at school and maybe their, their home life isn't great. And they come to the studio with these issues and they leave with the same issues, but now they can kickball change and do the splits. Well, then I, I haven't really done my job, right? So yes. have to make sure that you ask a studio about what it, what is their mission? Do they even have a statement? What what is that? And does it have to do with with bettering your child? Because that's our job as teachers, whether we're teaching hockey, soccer, dance, diving, math, whatever. Yeah, you're going to learn something, but you should leave a better human, right? And be able to take the skills that you're learning um, and apply them to any other part of your life. So what is their mission? Um, what are their core values? Because that is going to determine what the culture and community is like at that studio, not only on the parent and student level, but on the staff level as well. Because those core values are going to bleed into everything, you know, like... I feel like like you've probably seen So You Think You Can Dance over the yes. 15, 20 years, how long it's been on. And I mean, I'm sure some of it is for ratings, but you see these poor humans that audition and they're terrible. And then in their interview afterwards, they're of course asked, you know, like, how long have you been dancing? And they're like, 18 years. And they're dreadful. Yeah. Full, yeah. Right. And that makes it tough. And and add up that eighteen years. What did that family spend on that on that garbage? Right. And so we want to avoid we want to avoid the garbage. Yes, definitely. It, it does make. But well, what I meant to say was, it makes it tough for parents and guardians to justify that. Uh, fantastic. So parents walk in, what is your mission statement? What are yeah. the values of your studio? Well, okay, now, can I ask what sort of hard numbers parents need to know when they enroll their three, four, five-year-old? And, and what I would like to know is, how much time will dance gobble up? How much money will it cost? What is the yeah. schedule, the length of the season? Tell us about those things, please. Yeah. So all studios are different. They're, they all have a different model. Um, I, uh, I have all inclusive prices. So, um, I want to make it as easy as possible for parents. And, and frankly, it's easier for us administratively. And so it's a price that you pay that covers all of the extras that are normally charged individually. So a lot of studios are moving towards those models, um, but it's important for you to ask 
because a lot of parents often feel surprised by things like, oh, I, what do you mean? Like I, I paid and they're like, oh, no, no, no. If you read the fine print, you'll see that that was just a a 10% deposit on your costume. There's a balance of almost a hundred dollars, you know, which is, which is fine. That is an average price of a a recital costume. anywhere between 50 to a hundred bucks, but you've paid that. Yes. It's the idea of not knowing. Right. And so just be upfront and say, you know, like what extras are going to come up throughout the year and what does this tuition price that I'm paying include? And I mean, I always have a really lovely answer for my parents because I have all inclusive pricing. And so that price includes everything. It includes your costume, photos, your DVD, your tickets, like your, your gold, right. Which is great, but not many studios have adopted that model. Um, Most studios follow the um, school season. So they start in September and they run until either end of May or mid to late June, depending on when they normally have their recital. So anywhere between 29 and 36 weeks of. um, That's an hour per week, 90 minutes per week, three hours per week. What would you estimate? That differs per age and per studio. Um, Personally, all of my classes are 45 minutes, which worked out really well for the pandemic because we have 15 minutes in between each class to clean, but you know, that was just sort of luck <laughs> for us. Um, but yeah, I mean, some, we used to have classes that were an hour, an hour and a half, and they were all priced differently because of the, the different amounts of time. Um, but yeah, you'll, you'll have anywhere from, from 20 high twenties to 36 weeks of classes. We all take different amounts of time off for um, the holiday break and for March break and holidays and all that. So just ask what number of classes am I getting for this price? They should know the answer to that. And frankly, the, the nice thing about what you're doing here is that you are providing parents with really great questions and it should be very telling if the studio doesn't know the answers. Ah, good point. These questions are very clear. How many weeks of classes does this tuition include? And if they can't spit a very clear number, 29, that's an issue, right? Because how are you going to know if you are getting that number of weeks or not, right? Like that's a simple thing. So yeah, you write your questions down, like hiring an accountant or whatever, right? You have your questions. If they can't answer the questions, you're like, pass, right? Um, now on that, you said pass, um, yeah. you know, you offer at Elon dance arts, a premium studio that may not be for everyone. Just briefly, could you describe what different studio options are out there for parents? So they kind of have an idea of what level that they are enrolling their child in please. Yeah, absolutely. So I think there's probably, I mean, there's, there's a ton of tiers, but let's say we simplify it and say that there are four, four tiers of studios. So there's your, um, city program spectrum or, or whatever you're getting like a six or eight week course for like 50 bucks or 60 bucks or whatever. Um, There's nothing wrong with those programs. They, uh, often have really wonderful teachers. I used to 
the spectrum. So, you know, and I'm fantastic. Uh, the, only, the only issue is that because the pricing is so low, uh, there's a less of a drive for people to actually attend regularly because, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, it's less only than a few bucks this time. Yeah, sure. I understand. Yeah. So attendance is a problem. And so um, you don't have that uh, that same ability as a teacher. You don't have that same ability to continue to build each class because new people are coming all the time and you're having to catch up people that missed two or three weeks. And so it's, it's really kind of babysitting with a little bit of a dance focus. It's, it's, what would the next tier f- tier be? Next tier is a purely recreational studio. Okay. So kids normally at the recreational level will take one class a week, maybe two and uh, they're learning and they're having fun, but there's no real um, expectation of them to like practice and really progress at a, at a high level. And there's no, um, there's no desire to, to necessarily grow into any kind of competitive uh, stream or anything like that. It's just rec and they have maybe a show at the end of the year or every other year they have a show. And then I would say the third level is a studio that offers different options. They have a rec program if that's what you want, but then they also have either a pre-competitive or a competitive program. So if students want the option to perform on stage and and get feedback and and uh, compete against other studios and kind of see where they rank in the right. the industry for their age, um, then they have that option. And that normally. Um, offers them the the option of uh, putting in more hours, getting better. There's an expectation there. Like we expect, we have attendance policies, obviously for our uh, pre-competitive and competitive students, but they also end up becoming uh, junior teacher assistants and learning, you know, how to maybe teach and they can grow into a, a junior teaching role, which is really nice. And then beyond that, I would say there's a, a fourth tier uh, where the studio, where the higher percentage of students in the studio are competitive. So the rec program is very secondary and the majority of the studio's focus is on that competitive program. And those students aspire to uh, audition for dance, professional dance schools like the National Ballet, for instance, in Toronto or Quinty Ballet or Winnipeg Ballet or or whatever, AMDA or any of these professional programs, they want a career in dance. So that's sort of what I would say are the levels. Very, very good. Uh, I know with uh, sports, you know, you, kids are signed up for, for T-ball and parents have these dreams that, it, you know, junior is going to be a, a major leaguer. Besides the running around, the kid getting to perform, the videos and the Instagram posts, what are the long-term sort of goals that parents can look forward to from their children? And I'm not talking, I don't mean to diminish them and say soft skills such as a better person, community-minded, but uh, are there dance scholarships? Can a good studio uh, certify a teacher? Can they become judges and earn money, much like you would if you refereed or umpired these types of things? Tell us about those, please. Yeah, so really any and all the above. And, and that's why it's important to, to like, uh, one of the first questions I ask when new students join my studio is, what are, what are your goals? 
Green Panther. What do they want out of dance? Because whatever they want, it's my job to A, tell them if I can offer that or not, whether this is a good fit or not. You know what? We might not be the right fit considering your goals. Um, but I, if I can offer them that, then I can tailor um, my program and my offerings to make sure that they achieve what they want. Um, so some studios offer exams. Exams are a really great tool for students because they, like in school, they have to study. They have to know the ins and outs of, of terminology and exercises and anatomy and all sorts of great stuff. And, you know, they, they get regular feedback from mentors. Like we mentor at my studio, at least. I take my job as a mentor uh, with my staff very seriously. And in turn, they can take their job as mentors for their individual students very seriously. And we mentor our students inside the classroom, but all the time outside the classroom, right? There, there, are, there are like our children, you know, and the majority of them spend more time with us than they do at home, right? And so wow. we're, we're molding them into these amazing human beings. And, and I often say, you know, I, I did a, a seminar at a school um, pre-COVID, pre um, and I kind of said to them, you know, like I pointed to one kid at the back of the room and I said, do you guys mind if I use you as examples for something? And he said, no, no. And I said, okay, I might put you on the spot. Just be prepared. And dancers are put on the spot all the time. And I pointed to one kid at the back of the room and I said, what are you good at? And he kind of said, oh no. And this is high school, right? Oh no. And I said, no, seriously, like what makes you stand out from the other 15 kids in this class? He was like, I don't know. And I'm like, that's a problem. You should know what makes you stand out from everyone else. And if you don't know, you better figure it out because you are going to be interviewing for a job at some point and you're going to be amongst 15, 20, 200, 500 people. And you better know why they should pick you and tell them. It's not for them to figure out. They don't have the time. They don't care, right? And so we have this amazing chance and, and advantage and privilege of teaching these kids makes them amazing. And then they know. And so whatever situation they're in, they already know what they're incredible at. We'll also help them with what they need work with. You know, and I'm, I'm, very, I'm very tough on kids. I truly believe every coach should be and, and in all of the best ways. Like I have a, a line that I tell the kids and it's harsh, but it works. And my line is no one cares. And it's not because I don't care, but it's because I care enough to tell them that I'm not allowing them to use whatever reason they came up with to get out of whatever they need to do. Right. You have to do that. I understand you have, let's say it's ADD or, or whatever, but you still have to do that. All five of you need to do that. So you can't, you have to get around whatever your block is and figure it out. And I'll help you. Let me know how I can help you because I'll help you. And that's our job as coaches. And you have to find a studio with teachers that are willing to do that. Because I just, I could just say, 
oh, okay, yeah, you have this issue. You don't really pick up choreography well. You'd prefer to sit out. Okay, yeah, yeah, you sit out. Well, I've literally just taken all your money and just put it in my wallet and wasted it completely. So if you're looking for dance or any art, don't just look for what is going to happen exercise-wise, activity-wise for the amount of time that your child is there. Look for their desire to add all of those extra things. That's, that's what you're paying money for. That's the knowledge and experience that you want to pay money for. And that's why I charge more than some other studios in my area is because we, we are built around offering all of those extras and, and everyone gets it. You know, okay. We have a There's, very strong community and culture. You, you answered my last question. You began by saying you take some time and ask them their goals. And then you got into your tough love coaching. And there's a great saying it's um, kids don't care what you know till they know that you care. And by sitting down and laying out goals, that's important. Yeah. Uh, and you also touched on how you spend some time with, you know, elder students more time than they actually get with their family during the course of a day or an evening. What can you say to parents to help make the dance experience better? And, and the things I wish you touch on is, is, is gossiping, diet, rest, atmosphere. Any of those are going to help our listeners create the uh, environment where their kid can flourish. Yeah. Um, so it's such a tricky thing. Um, we do a lot of, um, we do a lot of conditioning. Like we do a whole bunch of stuff at the studio. Um, we don't have weight requirements or, uh, you know, diets or anything like that. Some studios do, um, and that can be harmful because it's, um, anything that's forced upon children and not explained uh, can be damaging. And so I would, uh, I would personally steer clear of, of a studio that has weight requirements or uh, specific diets that they make their dancers follow. You know, if, if they get to a point where they are on a scholarship at the national ballet, um, of Canada, then, you know, they can follow those requirements there, but sure. training goes, I think the most important thing is, uh, for parents to let us do our job. Good, 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 good. And good. That's, that's really hard for parents to do, but they're sometimes the best way to support your, uh, answer your athlete, your whatever is to trust that you have made the right decision and let the coach do their job because more often than not, parents are unaware of the reasons why coaches are doing a certain thing. And when they interrupt with something unrelated or what they think is the priority at the moment, it not only undermines authority, but gets in the way of what that coach is simply trying to do. And a really good example is, um, so I coach our competitive team a fair amount. 
And we were at a competition a number of years ago and the general morale of one particular group was like just tanking. They were just clearly just sitting there blank. And I knew that if I focused purely on their technique when I was rehearsing them, that they wouldn't dance to their potential on stage and they wouldn't do very well. And so in the rehearsal hall, we did team building. Normally, I'd be like working them, conditioning them on them. Um, But we just had a really great time. I think we did the dance maybe like once through and we just focused on that amazing culture and community that we're known for. And we just had a really great time. And I had a parent kind of interject and and say, you know, like, aren't you going to rehearse it? You know, and she seemed upset that that we weren't, that I wasn't drilling technique as we normally would. And that, that wasn't the purpose. Right. Yes. It wasn't the purpose at all. Like, I, like I've got this. Give me a, give me a minute. I've got <laughs> this. This isn't my first rodeo. Like, you got to trust that I know what's best for your kids in this very moment. And in general, but like in this very moment, I got plan and it's working and they went on stage and they did fantastic, far better than they would have done had I drilled technique for an hour, you know? And so, but at that point I thought, okay, my bad. I haven't put the right parameters in place from now on. No parents are allowed in the rehearsal area. Yeah. Right? Killer. And, and that solved the problem. And I was easily able to defend it without making anyone feel bad. I just said, you know what? We, we need that space to, to be just for us uh, and, and parent involvement kind of muddy things a little bit. Um, so out of respect, we're just, we're just going to keep that separate. And no one, no one fought me on it. But yeah, like there's a difference between being in the way and being a fan. Parents in sports and arts should just be their child's fan. And that's it. That's good. That's a good, good, uh, a good, good point. Um, yeah. What was I going to ask you? You, you brought up so many you good asked points. Me about pricing before, and, and that, I didn't. I didn't answer. You asked me about pricing, and I didn't get to that. And that's where I wanted to go. Like uh, you, you touched on sports and arts. There's. I've seen some teams. I've known some coaches, and they want every other weekend tournament play, tournament per, play, tournament play. And then after a while, parents are in hotel rooms. You're eating lunches. Uh, on the road, dinners on the road, and the, the costs skyrocket. Can you give us uh, some idea of what would be too much? And could you also give us an idea of maybe more should be going on at the uh, the required end? So pricing, go ahead, talk about it. Yeah. So um, on average, I would say you're, uh, and this is like, I'm going to say from, I talked about like the four tiers, Right. say like the, this is sort of reflective of like the second, third, and fourth tier because the the community stuff is, you know, bottom of the, bottom of the barrel. Um, I would say on average, you're looking at anywhere between 10 to $20 per class. If you're uh, running for, you know, 30 weeks or whatever, you're looking at around 10 to $20 per class. The higher end there is where um, me and, and some higher end studios would fit. 
right? Uh, a lot of us have that inclusive pricing. And so it's more per class, but you're, you're including like everything in there. So again, and everything and everything that would be recital tickets at the end of the year, that would be costumes. Yeah. So, uh, so when you, you register at a studio there, you normally have a registration fee anywhere from, um, 15 to $30 sure. and the registration fee covers, um, uh, admin work that we do, uh, all the letters and, and stuff that we send out. Um, it, it just helps us take care of our customers. It's normally paid either once per family or one once per student for the year. That is pretty common. Right. Um, you'll pay normally for your dance class, which again is anywhere between 10 to $20 per class. You'll pay for a uh, recital costume, which is anywhere between $50 to $100 per costume. You will normally want to order photos of your uh, cutie pie child. Those are normally around $60 to $70 per class that they're in. Okay. Uh, and you'll normally want to buy a DVD of the show. Anywhere from you know thirty to fifty bucks, uh, and you'll buy tickets, which are anywhere from ten to thirty dollars per ticket. I've so, just been doing the uh, math on that, and you are close to eight hundred dollars if it's just two parents getting tickets, if it's one dance class. So, uh, does that that's lower level for a small family? Is that about right? Well, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you can find a studio that is uh, super smart, like I am, um, that can offer you all-inclusive pricing, then you end up paying, like my recital fee, for instance, is $115. Okay. And it includes your costume, your photos, your DVD, and two tickets. Because I can tell the videographer, you have 350 orders. They don't have to worry about who's going to buy photos. Everyone gets them because it's included in your recital fee. So you're paying $50 for all of your photos as opposed to $60 to $70 per class. Yeah. Right? You're paying $40 for your DVD and you get all of your dances instead of paying you know, per routine or whatever. So if you can find a studio that offers all-inclusive pricing, they get to offer you a better deal on all of those things and it's all included. But it very much adds up if, if you don't. So I'm going to say the bottom average for a 45-minute or one-hour class for the season is probably $500 to $700. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah it's substantial. Um, and then... Uh, and that would be for like even for a five-year-old dancer who's been at it well, for... Well, no, not necessarily. So my preschool program, which runs from 18 months old to seven years old, is run in three eight-week terms. Okay. You, you have an eight-week program in October and then one in January and then one in April, and the April session participates in the recital. You can pay individually for an eight-week session or you can buy all three at a discount. A lot of studios will offer that. They'll offer term registrations. Right. 
if they don't and they offer full year only registration, I would be very much asking them about their withdrawal policies because they should have them. They shouldn't be locking you in for the year. There should be at least one or two times when you can withdraw because like we're all parents, we all have children and we know that sometimes things that are really awesome just don't work out for some sort of reason and you should be protected for that. So, so I'm so glad you, and I don't want to jump in there, but I, I do yeah. need to, because in our pre-screening or pre-podcast screening interview, you mentioned something that hadn't dawned on me, but I think it's very important for parents. You said, ask the studio about what kind of floor the dancers are going to be working on, because if everybody all of a sudden has shin splints at age nine and 10 and knee braces and back pain, they are not dancing on the right floor. So when you say there should be a withdrawal policy... I mean, injuries happen, nobody plans for it, people get hurt, it's unfortunate. But yes, ask about the withdrawal policy. And what other aspects should parents ask about or look into in regard to just keeping their kids safe? Yeah, I mean, dance floors are, are so, proper dance floors are necessary and they're so expensive. Like, would you register your child? Would you register your little Frankie for gymnastics, if the floor, if you walked in and the floor was cement? <laughs> no. Right? You'd walk in and be like, uh, I think you're missing something here. And that's the same thing about dance. There's a proper way to offer proper instruction and it requires a proper sprung floor. And it's worth asking. And I mean, technically, you could ask and they could lie to you right? I mean, you're not going to know, but you should be able to see some, some give on that floor when people are jumping on it. You know, a, a sprung floor is sort of like this, this three level floor with foam in between so that there's some give because right. you're jumping around on that for a large number of hours, you know, and, and I think I mentioned to you, like I, I judge competitions on occasion and we'll see a studio with dancers who are all wearing knee braces and ankle braces. And it's kind of like, okay, I mean, like, it's pretty clear to all of us with any level of intelligence that you guys are not dancing on a proper floor. And as far as I'm concerned, that's, it's inexcusable. Absolutely. I've seen baseball teams uh, play their, their home games on a diamond made of crushed gravel and every kid's knees are scraped up. Elbows are completely hacked. It's not okay. It's not okay. And, and it, it just, it, again, it all comes down to whether that studio genuinely cares about the whole child, because if they care about the whole child, like they do potentially their own children, they wouldn't want to risk the child's health and musculoskeletal structure, you know, like it's just, yeah. Like my floor was almost 30 grand. It's not, it's not an, but it's not an option. It's, it's, it's a requirement. You want to open a studio. Okay. Get a floor. It's not. So you should be asking about their floor and any one of us who have put in a proper floor, we know like every degree of information about that floor. And so if they can't answer clearly, it's probably not a proper floor. It might look like a proper floor, 
Um, and like mirrors and bars. Do they have bars? Because bars aren't only used for ballet. We oh, use yeah. bars in a lot of, of dance styles. Do they have fitness equipment? Do they, you know, um, yeah, like, you know, there's, their studio should, should look like a studio. Do they allow parents to watch? Okay, this is a biggie. I have to touch on this. Go ahead. And my opinion, uh, again, like anything, will be different than, than other studio owners. But ask them if parents are allowed in the studio, inside the actual physical studio, um, to watch. And if they're not allowed in, you know, do they have like a, like a camera that the parents can watch in the lobby or whatever? I am a firm believer that parents should not be allowed inside the studio. Period. Unless invited, like we'll have parent viewing week or whatever, where parents can come in as a guest. But that studio is a very special place for dancers. It's their space. You know, none of them own their own homes. They have a room at their house, but it's not their house, you know, but that studio is, is their space. It's their outlet. It's where they see the best of themselves, the worst of themselves. It's where they achieve a whole bunch of awesome stuff. And the moment their parent steps into that room, it's less special for them. Less unique, you know? less, less uh, their own territory. And I would say to parents, especially yeah. young, uh, young competitors, athletes, dancers, artists, whatever, take the 45 minutes off and just become a yes. human being again. Like yes. when I coach, get a coffee, yeah, I told parents, drop your kid off and then go take 75 minutes and you can pick. And they said, we can't watch. And I said, I would really appreciate it. If you didn't, your kid will be safe. There's a doctor on staff. I yes. know what I'm doing. It's non-contact. Uh, just, just go become a human being again. And uh, yes. I think that's wise. So to parents and we'll, we'll get close to wrapping it up here. What is the best piece of advice either you were given by an instructor, choreographer, mentor growing up? Or what is the best piece of advice you would give to parents who are uh, venturing into this, this wonderful experience for the first time? Um, that's a tricky one. Um, Hmm. There's so much. Um, if you think of it, who was the best instructor you ever had growing up and why? Um, I think the best instructors that I had were Mr. and Mrs. Foley, Brian and Faye Foley. Um, they designed the jazz and tap syllabus. It's called ADAPT syllabus. Um, they're very well known uh, across North America and, and more. Um, and Mrs. Foley actually completely changed the trajectory of my life as a studio owner and instructor because I was completing my teacher certification with her. I had just opened my studio and I blew my ACL for the first time. And I couldn't teach. I had to hire staff to take on classes. And it, I just felt like it really wasn't what I wanted. And I was reconsidering my entire uh, life plan. You know, like I didn't want to own a business 
with a studio and having a bunch of other people teach. And I, and I just was very much questioning. And I had my, I had to teach a class and have her sort of uh, judge me. And I couldn't teach the disciplines that she wanted me to because I was still recovering from my surgery. And I thought, oh, well, so I taught like this, you know, hip hop class or whatever. And I thought, okay, well, you know, she's going to hate this and but whatever, I'll do my best. And I taught this class and I felt okay about it. But in general, I thought, you know what, I disappointed this great mentor of mine and, you know, hit me with it. Tell me what you thought. And I sat down and she literally said, I, I would hire you any day. Wow. And it completely changed the entire trajectory because I thought, all right, I got this. No, I'm on the right track. Everything's good. Da, 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 da. Um, so, yeah, so I would say them for sure. Um, I think the best advice I would give parents who get their child into dance um, is to allow their children the opportunity to grow into it and allow teachers the opportunity to to try uh, to adapt to what that child needs. You know, like I often see, especially with our preschool program, parents will come for a trial and their three-year-old uh, goes in and maybe cries for the whole 45 minutes. And they're like, no, we're not, we don't want to come back. She didn't enjoy it. And I'm thinking, okay, except you're not really letting us do our job and you're not really giving your child the opportunity, right? Because yeah, she cried and she cried for the next five weeks, but on that sixth week, she might get up and start skipping with us, you know? And the fact that she's in that room on her own and you're out here is like majorly huge for her developmentally. Right. You know, so like your kid might suck at baseball. They might not be hitting anything and they might be upset about it and whatever. But if they still want to try and they're still interested in it, give them that opportunity to figure it out and give that coach the opportunity to help them get it. Because that's, that's our job. It might take... It might take your four-year-old a year to stand up and skip, but like when they do, our like our our life, our year is met. We're like, yes, I did that. Yep. Your daughter skipped, and we like look at the window. And we're like, did you see that? <laughs> right. So it's like give them the opportunity. Don't rush your decision, and that's why ask the studio what their refund policy is because it's most likely if they care. It's most likely circled around, uh, you know, protecting your child and giving them the opportunity to grow into whatever they're yeah. interested in, you know? If I could pass along one piece of advice, uh, it would be to uh, just have fun as parents and enjoy it because the time happens uh, to fly by too quickly. Much like our time today, Shauna, I don't want to take too much of it. As CEO of Elon Dance Arts, you're a very busy person and we appreciate uh, you lending your time to the Kids Arts Podcast. You've been wonderful and if any parents who are listening have any questions, elondancearts.ca, that's E-L-A-N dancearts.ca is where you can get a hold of Shauna. 
She's a terrific resource in the dance community. We've enjoyed having you on. And for uh, Brian and Faye Foley, and for all the, the good parents out there, single parents, adopted parents, guardians, uh, those who are uh, grinding through and trying to make their kid uh, not at this stage even realize their artistic dreams, but just enjoy their artistic outlet. Uh, this one was for you. Any final thoughts, Shauna? No, no, it's, this was great. Thank you. We look forward to having you on again. Have a terrific season and uh, we'll talk to you very soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. I want to say thank you to DJ Frank Frenzy, our audio engineer. He does a terrific job of making us sound good. And once again, if you click on bluelakedrive.com, you can find kids arts and other podcasts and original content that hopefully you find useful as we all get through this together. So take care, everybody.